This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We're talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter, we are your hosts, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. We're progressing through the season here. We had a pretty good clip, although, you know, as, as this podcast airs here on Friday, the 25th of February, we just came out of probably one of the, the biggest roundhouse rights that Mother Nature is throwing our way yet this winter. But I, I it's got to break soon, right? We've got to get into that late ice weather where we can be out there just enjoying ourselves on the ice. Yeah, I'm really hoping we're finally, I mean, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe we're coming around the corner and things are going to warm up. Uh, I know I just seen a, a stat the other day that they were talking that there's been like 10 different blizzards or something here in Fargo. And, you know, to think about that over the course of, you know, basically three months, December, January, February. I mean, you're talking basically one every other week at a minimum. And I know we've seen that and had the front systems. And even when it's not a blizzard, there's been some pretty cold stints and some pretty windy stints. So it's been, it's like you said, we feel, I feel a little battered and beat up from the ice season and, you know, really just having to tuck our tail once in a while and call it a day and wave the white flag, mother nature. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm hoping that March is here and we're going to get some of that nice weather. The days get a little bit longer and we'll be able to enjoy some good weekends out on the ice. I like what you said, Anthony. I want to see the light at the end of the tunnel too, but I want to keep that light off in the distance for a while. I want to have a really nice slow melt, a nice long late ice. It's one of my favorite times of the year to be fishing really all year long, right? Open water, hard water. It doesn't matter. Late ice this last you know, this last maybe couple of days of February, and as you get into March, uh, right up until ice out, you get the nice days, warm weather. It's a pleasure to be out there. There, There's not any mosquitoes yet, right? So we got that going for us. And uh, for a lot of situations, the fishing is pretty darn good too. Yeah, light ice, you start getting the fish starting to think about doing their thing up in the shallows and starting to feed and build up that bulk for their spawning runs. And yeah, I think late ice is probably one of my favorite times to get out on the ice. I've I've been known to be kind of one of the last people out on the ice. I, I don't know if there's any reasoning to it, but I feel safer on three feet of bad ice than I do on three inches of good ice. So I don't know where you're at with me on that, but uh, I usually tend to be one of the last ones out there. You know, if you're walking out, I've even gone as far to plank my way out there just to get on a good sheet of ice. But I'm hoping that we get along, you know, like you said, slow melt and get along late ice season, you know, well into the end of March, you know, maybe even touching that first part of April. Cause yeah, it, it seems to only get better the the further you get to that ice breaking up and the water starting to run. I've seen that trophy case you have at home with all those medals and trophies for the last man standing out on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about last man, but I've definitely been out there some uh, some late ice situations. I mean, when you start to be able to stomp your boot and kick into the honeycomb, you know, it's about that time to, to get off the ice. And, you know, I, mean, I think that's probably a good thing for the listeners, too, to notate. I mean, that ice does go through changes, you know, the snow melts and you'll be, see a lot of water on top of the ice. And you know that that ice is still good. And then all of a sudden that water disappears. Well, 
it didn't just evaporate. It went through the ice and that's what creates that honeycomb. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the ice really starts to melt and deteriorate from underneath. And so it gets soft underneath before it gets soft up on top. And, you know, you'll see that ice go from, you know, good solid ice. And then it's all of a sudden it's white and honeycombed. And as soon as that white light honeycomb turns to dark honeycomb, it's time to get off the ice. Yeah, that dark honeycomb, that means it's holding water. It's not just let the water through, it's holding water. And to your point, just with that late ice safety, you have you have those stages you talked about, and ice doesn't shrink, right? Like in the, in the early ice, we talk about, okay, we're gaining an inch of ice, we're gaining two inches of ice. It doesn't work that way in reverse at the end of the season. Is, like what you described actually happens to two feet of ice. Mm -hmm. Two feet of ice gets soft and starts to deteriorate and starts to sink and break up all in one. It does not shrink before it does that. Yeah, I mean, you get some areas with current or, you know, where it's warming up really fast from below um, shallow areas that that might, you know, the ice might deteriorate faster and shrink a little bit. But yeah, the, the main body of water, you know, goes from two feet of good ice to two feet of very bad ice. And, you know, you want to just be aware of that, you know, watch the temperatures at night, you know, if it's getting back down below freezing that oftentimes will solid things up and, you know, the morning can still be good, but I've seen it where you go out in the morning and things are solid. And by the time you're coming off in the evening, you're falling through by shore or, you know, things are getting pretty sketchy. Absolutely. I think last year was a prime example of that. And there were a lot of those scenarios in, in many areas across the ice belt where it, we didn't have a lot of snow cover over the winter. We didn't have a lot of extreme frigid conditions like we did this year. I think we got a really good, strong base of ice this year. But when it happened last year, things turned, weather got warm, and that melt happened pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It can go fast. I mean, I've been out on the ice where, you know, the weekend before it was below zero or, you know, freezing below freezing. And, you know, the next weekend it's 60, 70 degrees. You get one of those crazy warm fronts that comes in and all of a sudden the snow is gone. The water's through the ice and it starts to get honeycombed in a matter of about a week. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but guess, guess we got to just be prepared. And if it does, then just means we get the boat sooner. Yeah, you're right. It also means, Anthony, that, that maybe we should just be out there every single day and making sure we have a good pulse of, you know, a finger on the pulse of what's happening. Uh, I, I would sign up for that gig. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm hoping to spend a lot of my weekends here in March out on the ice. And I know we've got a guest lined up that's going to talk to us a little bit about some late ice fishing. And, you know, I'm really excited to, to pick his brain and, and get him on the podcast as well. Yeah, you're exactly right, Anthony. We're going to invite uh, Connor Kleist. He's a guide in the Ottertail County area of Minnesota. Some of you might recognize that name, and certainly if you saw a picture, you might recognize him too. He's uh, He's been a, a contributor or a guest on In-Depth Outdoors on a number of occasions here as they've been chasing crappies and panfish in uh, his neck of the woods. I am extremely excited to hear from Connor. He has a great reputation as a guide and a very knowledgeable panfish angler. He's going to come on in. We're going to chat a little bit about uh, just kind of everything ice fishing, everything Ottertail County, everything pan fish, and just pick his brain for a little bit. And, uh, you know, without further ado, Anthony, I think uh, I think maybe we'll just take a really quick break here and bring him back in and uh, uh, jump right in with a conversation with Connor. So, folks, uh, stick with us for a quick one here. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Connor Fleist.
like to welcome our guest to Shack Talk podcast this week. It's uh, someone, if you follow fishing, follow uh, some of the fishing shows, uh, you might recognize the name or see his face on TV, social media. Um, someone that's been uh, new to the Eskimo brand, and we're really excited to get him on the show. I'd like to welcome uh, Connor Kleist. Connor, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about yourself? Doing great. Hey, it's uh, glad to get you on the show here and pick your brain a little bit, see what's going on. Uh, for our listeners of Shack Talk, um, if they don't know who you are, as I mentioned, you're involved with the uh, IDO fishing team, uh, have your guide service in Ottertail County. Maybe just give the, the listeners a little brief introduction to yourself, you know, where you kind of call home, what you uh, spend your season doing, and uh, maybe just start with that. Well, I'm uh, originally from the cities, went up to NDSU, so kind of got familiar with Ottertail County, being right in the backyard. So spent a lot of time uh, kind of learning the lakes around here, now call it home, uh, live in Pelican Rapids. And yeah, we get over a thousand lakes in the county, so it's definitely hard to complain, keeps you busy. Always something to do year round, um, summertime, love fishing my walleyes. Come winter, that's when I do most of my guiding. And, uh, yeah, pretty much just fish year-round and try to stay busy, stay out of trouble. But, really, yeah, you get that many lakes, that many opportunities, a lot of fun to get out. And, uh, yeah, come wintertime, uh, panfish is king. Do a lot of time chasing crappies, bluegills. And, yeah, no. Connor, for folks that are listening that don't know the geography of where Pelican Rapids is, you are, like, Grand Central Station when it comes to Ottertail County and some of the best lakes that it has to offer. You are right there. Do you guide? I know you said you do most of your guiding in the winter. Do you guide year-round, though? Is that your primary job, or, or is it a, kind of a I, side business? So it's kind of a side business right now. Uh, winter, it's kind of more full-time uh, just because I work for an agronomy center, spring, summer, fall, um, in this area down in Foxholm. But yeah, once I get kind of our season wraps up, then another one starts. And then I focus on guiding full-time in the winter. So, but when it comes to summertime, fall, um, I love fall crappies, fall walleyes, you know, rigging chubs out deep, uh, love fishing my walleyes. So anytime I do get the chance, especially weekends, I'll still get out and get to guide, um, you know, especially you learn yet over the years, you gain so many clients that become friends and just kind of becomes a year round thing where you always want to get on the water with your friends. So it kind of becomes that way with clients too. So yeah, you kind of, the phone's always busy and there's always people looking to go fishing. You talked a little bit about, you know, learning the Ottertail Lakes area in college. Um, what really got you into ice fishing and, you know, where did you, you know, kind of grow up ice fishing? Did you spend a lot of time up in this area or were you, primarily, you know, down by the cities where you grew up? Mostly by the cities and, you know, the occasional fishing trip. But um, my old man got me into fishing when I was in a, you know, in a diaper and a live well kind of a deal. So it was always in the blood, always something that I was passionate about. And it just kind of grew from there. And uh, like anyone, you always kind of want to try to love what you do for work. So that's kind of why I try to fit it into the schedule and kind of figure it, figure it out into my lifestyle where I'm able to kind of do both. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, like you said, learning the Otter Tail Lakes area, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. You get a thousand lakes, over a thousand lakes. You kind of get to do fish them how you like. 
which is what I love, you know, uh, kind of like if you go to Mille Lacs, you can fish walleyes, any if you like, but lead core, bobbers, bottom bounce, catch fish any way you like. Well, everyone kind of likes their certain way. I love to jig and there's always a bite that kind of fits your needs. So that's kind of what I love about the area is just the diversity and the opportunity. I tell you what, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this. When, when you learn an area, when you're out there as a college student, or if you didn't go to college as a young, young adult, right, before you really get kind of moving forward in your career, a lot of times you don't have just money falling out of your pocketbook, right? <laughs> and so the the learning, you get creative when it comes to learning how to fish. You, you, you get down to the basics, right? I mean, was that kind of the scenario for you or, or um, yeah, did you have absolutely. buddies? Absolutely. Yeah. If you didn't catch them, you didn't eat, you know, that was kind of the college <laughs> you're going out looking for a fish fry. Uh, but no, you, you kind of learn the hard way a lot of times. And, uh, it's definitely fishing can be humbling as, as you guys know, it's amazing how, uh, a fish can just outsmart you day by day. It's, it's always a different battle, but that's what makes it fun. And, uh, kind of what brings you back every day. But, in, in college, it was uh, definitely a learning experience because, yeah, like you said, you don't have the pocketbooks for it. You don't really have the equipment. So you kind of make do with what you got, but it you fish hard and you learn from different ways and different. Uh, every time you go out, you learn something different, really. So you, you kind of get some appreciation, too, don't you? Like like when you get to that point in your life, when you get that that real job, right, that career job and. Yep. And you maybe got a couple extra dollars and you can go to the store, you can go to the bait store, the boat dealership and uh, gives, gives a new yeah. level of appreciation. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's all a part of it. You got to start somewhere and everyone starts somewhere, but no, it's uh it's definitely a, a windy road full of ups and downs, but it's definitely a rewarding one. Like you said, you know, it's, it's fun, especially with technology nowadays. I mean, if you're not with the times, you really feel kind of far behind. You know, you got uh, mega lives and all these new live image technologies. And, uh, you know, back in the day, it was like if you didn't have a Vexlar, you know, if you forgot it at home, you wouldn't go fishing. Well, now it's kind of a whole different world where, you know, if you forget your live sonar, then, hey, now <laughs> turn around and go home. Yeah, you get a little spoiled with that. I can definitely... Definitely sympathize with that. It makes it uh, hard to go back to just, you know, staring at a flasher, but you know, they have their, they have their place. And I know uh, if people can't afford it, um, you still catch a lot of fish, but boy, is it fun to be able to, to chase them down. And I think, you know, even with the live imaging, live imaging, just learn from the fish, learn how they react. And I've been amazed at how, you know, the fish react differently than you would have anticipated. I know recently we're out on a lake and, I mean, you drilled a hole and the fish scattered and it took 10, 15 minutes for those fish to filter back through. And, you know, in the past you would have probably switched cheesed an area and been like, well, there's no fish here. But if you look at it with live sonar and I'm sure you can uh, have seen that too, um, you know, you really kind of understand how those fish react. Is that kind of what you've been seeing as well? 
For sure. It's kind of like they're almost evolving with it uh, and, and they kind of have to, or, you know, you finally can see what you never were able to see before. But I, I tell you, I think they can hear you walking with two feet of ice and a foot of snow on top. I mean, or see your shadow or something. Cause I mean, it, it's amazing how spooky those fish can be, but it's kind of just learning now how to fish them with the technology and kind of see what you're looking for. You know, obviously sometimes those fish might not be good for high noon, uh, bright sunny day, you know, out deep on a basin or something if you're chasing crappies, you know, or up shallow, you know, those fish can be really scattish or skittish there. But uh, no, it's it's amazing and it's kind of fun just to have another tool in the in the arsenal. Um, and yeah, it's crazy to think what it'll be like in ten years from now. Even isn't that the truth, right? We look back yeah. and and where we've come in the last few years and where we'll be in ten more is just uh, hard to even imagine. Connor, we're looking here at the Minnesota walleye season kind of coming to an end, you know, as we're, um, this podcast is going to drop here. It's Friday as the season closes, um, the end of the weekend. What does that going to do on the lakes you fish, the areas and the part of the world that you're spending time out on the ice with? Is that going to change the patterns of the ice anglers out there or are panfish early king in Ottertail County and things are just going to continue on as normal? Well, you know, I think you're going to see, obviously, the lakes are going to clear out. Uh, I think there's there's plenty of weekend warriors anywhere you go. Uh, people love to just kind of go out and enjoy their time on the ice, which is, you know, that's what it's there to do. I love doing it, sit in a hard house and have an adult beverage or, you know, just sit back, watch a football game, whatever it might be. Um, but you're definitely going to see a lot less pressure on the lakes, which I think obviously results in better fishing. Um, but as well as, you know, now it's going to be tougher, you got to think, to get on the lakes. Uh, your roads aren't going to be plowed a tough winter like we've had. If you don't have tracks, you're pretty reliable on the guy with the plow. You know, and you're pretty just kind of hoping that people are getting out. So without all the traffic i'm sure you're gonna see a lot less people able to get out and as well as probably fishing is gonna get better days are getting longer and uh fish are definitely from what i've seen starting to kind of transition into their late ice patterns you touched on it a little bit the you know the conditions that we've had i know kyle and i have talked a lot about it on the podcast how it's been just a really difficult winter with the weather and the fronts what are kind of the lake conditions like in Ottertail county you guys seeing a lot of snow slush well we uh we finally kind of had gotten out of our are standing in slush and a foot, two feet of snow, uh, not being able to go anywhere. It kind of firmed up. All the slush kind of froze up. Uh, travel was actually awesome there for about a week. Um, and then now we just got fresh foot of snow. So it's going to be kind of a lake by lake scenario, I think. I was on uh, on a larger body of water on the eastern side of Ottertoe County here. And you couldn't go anywhere off a road, uh, you know, just you'd break through that crust. And then today I was out on Lake Dead Central, another big body of water of Watertoe County. And as long as I was smart and not driving through the big drifts, I was able to kind of off-road it and kind of go where I wanted. So every lake's different, but uh, yeah, it's going to really kind of change here in the next couple of weeks, I hope at least. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a, a challenging winter for conditions. I know in our area, we've been pounded with snow and drifting snow and, you know, anywhere that there's houses around, I know they get the snow piled up and you get the flooding and things and it, it can make it really difficult and hard to get around. 
looking yeah, at don't... go ahead oh i was saying yeah if you don't if you don't have tracks on a year like this you know it can be very difficult and yeah it's just uh definitely ready for a fresh breath of air and uh hope for spring to come here soon speaking of spring connor uh, i know that lakes in your part of the world were down a little bit uh kind of compared to what would be considered normal uh i've yep. heard a lot of folks talk you know uh, not uncommon to see these lakes down a foot or even a foot and a half from normal levels with the snow we've gotten this year, is it your anticipation we're going to see some of those lake levels come back up again now, or are we still going to be at a deficit? I think we're still going to be down. I think we're still going to be down. I think that we really, I mean, it looks like we have a lot of snow, but it's just been so cold that we haven't lost any. Uh, we've only, you know, in the last couple, I mean, month and a half, haven't had much for big snowstorms around here. It's been more of the blowing snow, and you get a couple inches that really kind of hurt the lakes, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to hit us a couple more times with a few more heavy downfalls. So uh, we'll just kind of wait and see, but I think we'll be hopefully just kind of evening out. So you talked about some of the late ice patterns, Connor, for, for our listeners who are, you know, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. There's just so many folks that are new to this sport and just trying to help educate them on the basics, uh, the, the, the ins and outs of fish behavior as we go through the calendar year. What are some of those patterns? What are some of the general things folks might want to be looking for from here out till uh, end of ice season uh, to put a few more of those panfish up on the ice? So really what I kind of get into now is, like I kind of mentioned before, the days are getting really long. So, uh, you know, burning yourself out from that 11 o'clock to 3, you know, middle of the day can really kind of discourage a guy or gal, and it can really just kind of uh, – you know, take the wind out of your sail. But what I kind of try to focus on, especially if I'm going on new bodies of water, is to fish them almost like a walleye. Um, I'm fishing stuff adjacent to deep basins that, you know, your fish, especially crappies, you know, your bluegills will kind of always find your crappies up shallow and vice versa, um, but not necessarily out deep, you know, and mostly your crappies. But this time of year, it seems like you get a push where your last hour of light on a lot of your steep breaks, uh, fingers running out towards deep water uh anything like that is going to pull a lot of fish up especially if they have vegetation on them is the big thing uh especially if you can find stuff close to pencil reeds uh you know standing green weeds cabbage anything like that definitely seems to be a safe bet but try to focus on if you're exploring that last hour of light um and just kind of running and gunning and and seeing what works but generally that eight to 15, 20 foot uh, seems to be best this time of year for that kind of a pattern. And, you, and really are you seeing those fish throughout the day then, or, and they're just being more active in the evening or sliding shallower, like you're saying they, in the evening, they definitely seem to slide shallow during the evening, at least have a higher concentration of fish up on those like target locations like that. Um, but those fish, a lot of times, they'll just kind of push out deeper. Bluegills might stay up shallow, but a lot of times your crappies are going to push out deep out into the basin again and kind of go roam. Uh, kind of learn with the live imaging is that fish never really stop swimming. Uh, they're on the move, and especially crappies, you can see a bigger push of fish on your kind of walleye-type structures later in the ice season, this kind of pre-late ice and uh, with the ice conditions that you've been seeing out there, um, you know, you feeling pretty confident that you'll be fishing on the ice through, through March or what do you think and things are looking like over there? 
For sure. I'm sure I'll be on ice mid-April. I'm sure you could find a spot. <laughs> if there's ice, I'd probably find it. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, realistically, I would say that we'll be ice fishing through March, not a problem. So, And we'll be looking forward to, you know, seeing those videos on social media of Connor fishing down the ice hole two feet below the ice in his little uh, crappie aquarium. <laughs> You know, Otter Tail County's got a lot of those otter, you know, those crappie aquariums that you mentioned. Uh, and it's funny, every, you know, they, they think you're on the same lake or whatever it might be. And it's like, they all kind of look the same. We all got big rolling hills and uh, it's just a fun area and a lot of different lakes to fish. But all of them, I mean, it's amazing the average in the county, really. Uh, when you go fish a lot of different lakes and see what's really out there. Uh, I mean, I bet there's there's multiple, multiple lakes where you can go average, you know, nine inch bluegills with 13 inch crappies, 12 inch crappies. You know, there's just so many great lakes that uh, have been protected and, you know, selective harvesting and a lot of special regulations have been put into play on a lot of lakes around here. Uh, that definitely seems to, you know, one shy, keep, keep some of like, not necessarily the meat hogs, but those guys away from certain lakes as well as uh, bring certain people there that are looking for the picture and looking to kind of catch and release. And every lake, you get so many lakes in the area that uh, there's kind of a lake for everyone. And, you know, there's great eater lakes and there's great trophy lakes. And it's kind of fun to be able to jump around with a guide. Everyone's got different wants and needs. And you get to kind of stay on your toes and fish a lot of different bodies of water. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's been well protected, the area, with certain regulations. And, it's just a fun panfish kind of mecca to come explore and and uh, yeah, just kind of see where what you like to do, deep water fish and shallow, whatever it might be. There's kind of a way that you can come catch them. You know, it's it's gained quite the popularity when it comes to just as you described, Connor, that um, that variety of lakes and the having something for everyone. Just for yeah. the sake of discussion. You know, because I always think it's interesting, especially someone like you, you're a guide, you're a professional angler, you, you do this day mm -hmm. in and day out. Where's your delineation when it comes to a bluegill and a crappie? What's an eater? What's a keeper? What's a trophy? What's a throwback? Where do you kind of draw that line? Nine inch for bluegill. Uh, that's kind of the top end, right, right past nine. Then I'm, you know, you kind of try to teach guys or you try to show that, you know, now we're starting to see different genetics and you can see it in a fish visibly too. If you compare an eight and a half and a nine, you know, you can see those better genetics and it's amazing. Well, now we'll say crappie, uh, 13 and up even 12 is kind of my top end just because I like to eat smaller fish personally. I think they taste better. I like a little crispier filet, whatever it might be. That's my preference, but uh, 12 inches for a crappie and over, I like to kind of let those go. So, um, and also fishing certain, you know, as a guide too, uh, it's easy to go out in deep basins and catch a lot of fish, you know, and especially with live imaging, uh, you see those fish, they don't move. You can catch a lot, but you got to remember that those fish with, they have a lot of issues with going back and then when you're fishing out deep. So important to kind of be mindful of, all right, we catch our fish out here, but what you catch is your limit. Um, you know, just kind of trying to respect resources and uh, play it smart and know that, you know, I, I want my grandkids catching the same quality fish that I'm catching today. You know, that's kind of why I'm out there and you try to educate the best you can and, uh, yeah, you know, everyone has different viewpoints of what's an eater and what's not, but uh, definitely try to 
avoid 14, 15, you know, those big quality, good genetics to go back those fish. Uh, definitely try not to see those go into a bucket. So what do you, uh, what do you see from your clients? I'm sure you see lots of different opinions and people, are they pretty receptive to kind of trying to follow what guidelines you have, or do you get uh, some resistance from them or are you starting to I, see kind of the mindset change a little bit? I've definitely seen a change in mindset uh, for sure. I think that people see the passion when they come out with me and kind of when I explain it as in, you know, you hear that I 24 year old wants to see his grandkids catching those same fish. You know, you definitely see it as a longevity thing where uh, people see the importance of it and they kind of start now seeing that you can't go to a handful of lakes and catch a, a pound bluegill anymore. You know, that's just not the case. I mean, and I think people really kind of can see that now that uh, with panfish and high limits like we've had, that the fishing just can't sustain the pressure that it's getting now, which it's great that we're having, you know, a lot of people getting out, especially with COVID and everything. A lot of people are turning to the ice and trying to get outdoors, which is awesome. And you see a lot of first timers and kids that are getting out for the first time. I just had a family from South Carolina and they showed up and and joggers and i'm like you know oh boy here we go but in reality they had a great time uh never once complained about it being cold for an eight-year-old i was couldn't be more impressed um but the day before i had an eight-year-old that we had 40 hour winds and he's out there whole hopping all day with me so i mean it's just amazing to see the the difference in it all but it's awesome to see kind of kids getting out um and enjoying it and yeah hopefully with better regulations and uh, selective harvest that we can see this quality of fish that Ottertail County has for um, our kids and future generations to come. So, No, I think that's great. And I know that's one thing that Kyle and I have talked about a lot on the podcast is just the, the influx of anglers to ice fishing and, you know, people getting outdoors and, you know, it's great to see all that um, happening throughout the ice belt you look back kind of at the season, I know we talked a little bit about the difficult weather and different things. Did you see that kind of affecting how you were fishing, targeting these fish? I know for a lot of people, the front systems coming through would oftentimes put those fish in a negative mood. Anything you, any advice you would give to somebody going out if they're, you know, maybe they're finding fish, but they can't get them to bite any advice that you would give to them? Oh, you know, time of day. I mean, it's really everything. Sometimes it feels like you're beating a dead horse and you, and you just are, uh, you'll just, you know, you'll see your fish zooming and they really don't have a care in the world. Um, sometimes I do the, the opposite of what you think and I get more aggressive. Um, I'm really not targeting, I'm fishing competition. So I'm trying to have as many fish on my Vexlar as I possibly can. Uh, not necessarily fishing structure, anything like that, but really more of a hunting game now and make those fish eat. Uh, if we're talking crappies, jigging wraps, using larger spoons, have more aggressive cadences, just trying to pull those aggressive fish up and not because they want to eat, but because they don't want their friends to eat and they want to get it first. Um, so trying to do the opposite and getting more aggressive with the fish instead of downsizing and trying to finesse a fish that really isn't there to eat. Um, just because usually it's a time of day thing and you know, full moon's a big thing. Uh, you'll see your fish aren't as aggressive during the day. So you're really kind of targeting those prime time hours into dark. Um, but even right now you're seeing a lot more dead stick bites at night. Um, and into that prime time with your crappies, 
um, if you're fishing out deep rather than jigging. So, but really just trying to be right on top of them and, uh, yeah, doing, I try doing the opposite and you know, it works some days and other days you just look silly. So that's what fish do to you, I guess. But that's the game, right? That's the game we play. Hey, Connor, just one more question here. As we progress through spring, we start to see the days continue to get longer. We start to see the temperatures warm. This, the snow cover is melting. Do your tactics as far as presentations, your baits and whatnot, do they change or are they going to stay consistent until the ice is gone? Uh, definitely going to kind of start downsizing at least a lot lighter tungstens, uh, starting to use lead jigs as well, uh, as well as I use more, uh, more waxies and spikes, it seems, later in the season. Just because I'm fishing shallow um, and more seems to be more of a finesse bite uh, once you get up shallow in the weeds and in the reeds. And, um, but for sure, smaller, lighter jigs and kind of getting more uh, lethargic because usually you're in shallower water. Um, and yeah, no, just kind of slowing it down a little bit. But those fish definitely, once the water starts running down the hole, uh, it's amazing their attitude. It's just late ice. at best time of year for when it comes to being an ice fisherman, that's for sure. No, I think that's great advice. And I think I've got just one more thing that I wanted to touch on. I know uh, Kyle and I were talking about it before you joined us. We uh, seen a few pictures of you out on that social media and happened to stumble across the big uh, rainbow trout that you hooked into. Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to maybe pick your brain or get a little uh, little story on what happened there with that fish and kind of maybe walk us through how that went down. So I'm not a, I'm not a professional trout fisherman. I will admit that, uh, but I love doing it. When it comes to being a February day, it's fun to do something different. So uh, get rid of the panfish rods. Actually, I still use them, light tackle, a uh, little tungsten and a couple waxies. And I like to drill kind of a four holes in a big square. So it's like my own little personal sight fishing hole. Um, and I fish shallow. Some guys like fishing out deep in the middle of the lake. Some guys like fishing transitions. I was sitting on a shoreline transition and uh sure enough one came rolling in and i saw its head and i was like word for word i said to my friend hayes baldwin i said uh, that's the biggest trout i've ever seen in my life and it didn't bite but i never my eyes never left the hole next 30 minutes sure enough she came back in didn't hesitate one swipe uh, and ate it and you know three pound test and it was probably a five six minute battle where as you've ever fought a trout through the ice on a short rod, I mean, it is not easy to get them up a hole. So uh, it was it was a heck of a battle, but we got her up, and yeah, I got a replica that was getting made for her now. So uh, yeah, no, just definitely a, a new experience. I've been doing it a couple of years now, but to say I'm hooked is an understatement. So. Connor, I, I am not experienced or really knowledgeable at all when it comes to trout fishing whatsoever so this might be a a silly naive question Mm -hmm. when you're fishing this is this a native trout population or is this a stocked trout population this is a stock so majority especially around here any majority of your trout lakes if not all are going to be all stocked they're all going to be fish that are put in by the state for you to catch and harvest and that is why they are put into those lakes they're grow up in a rearing pond and then they're put in these lakes um, you know and you can look them up right online on minnesota website it'll tell you how many fish get put into each lake um, what year they're put in and uh, it so happened that 
this lake had a few big ones put into it and yeah no i'm not sure how long that fish had been in that lake or you know really the the history behind it all but uh no truly a special fish and just the colors and the sheer strength of them uh if you've never done it i highly recommend it it's if if i can do it anyone can do it you know you just kind of look down a hole and i you only fish about a foot under the ice to five feet under the ice so you're really high up in the water column i don't use a vexilar or anything to be honest um i just it's usually pretty clean water if they can if trout can survive in them so uh but yeah no neat experience and i'd highly recommend anyone to buy the seven dollar trout stamp and and go give it a try it's for sure worth it yeah, definitely. I've never experienced fishing rainbow trout through the ice. I mean, we've I've gone after Lakers, and I know the the rodeo that those can be. So I can only imagine what a you know five six pound rainbow trout on three pound test would be like. I can I can imagine the uh, the anxiety that it was trying to get that thing wrangled up the hole. It's definitely a whirlwind of emotions, and but you know to have a a fishing friend that I've had since. Oh, high school haze with me uh, just to experience it i mean that's really what fishing's all about that's why you go and i mean it was we were in a blizzard uh, and it was negative whatever i'm sure but you don't catch them sitting on the couch so you got to go try and give her a whirl and yeah trout fishing and something different but uh, i highly recommend it and it's easy to find the lakes like i said just kind of hop online do your research and Lots of opportunity around, not just in Ottertail County, but um, Park Rapids area is full of a lot of great trout lakes. That That's kind of what they're known for. But, um, yeah, no, highly recommend it to anyone. Yeah, and I think that's – yeah, they're, they're great table <laughs> fare. And... Yep. Smoking them, the smoked trout on the Traeger, that's – it's hard to beat, not going to lie. It's hard to beat. Absolutely. I know you talked a little about uh, catching some panfish and eating them too. What's your what's your go to panfish recipe or favorite way to eat them? Ooh, I'm uh, when it comes to sunfish. I'm since day one flour butter on a flat top, uh, a lot of butter, and you know a little bit of seasoning and whatnot. But low and slow, about three twenty five, and little golden uh, potato chips there. But otherwise, uh, if I have to put it in oil, I'm going to go with panko. Uh, Japanese breadcrumb. I I can't get enough of it. Make a nice crunchy sandwich out of that. So, yeah, you can't go wrong there, Connor. I really want to just kind of take a minute again and thank you for joining us on the the podcast. It was great to hear about what's going on in Ottertail County. I know Kyle and I. That's a area we frequent quite a bit and look forward to always getting back out there. If there's uh, people listening and they want to get a hold of you or maybe inquire about guiding or more information, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, either social media, look me up on Instagram, Facebook. Um, otherwise, my number is 763-229-1814. Um, or you can look me up online at otcfishing.com. So. But yeah, no, it was great talking to you guys and I can, uh, I can talk fishing to anyone for as long as you need. So, uh, always a pleasure. And if you're ever out this way, don't hesitate. Don't be a stranger. would love to get on the ice with you. Absolutely. Again, to Connor Kleist, thanks again for joining us on the shack talk. Thanks to Eskimo for giving us the opportunity to, to reach out to our listeners and talk ice fishing. And, uh, again, just having, sharing those stories about ice fishing. So until next time, Get out fishing, have some fun, and we'll talk to you later.